For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Life's better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards. That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The next morning, I heard one of the other kids screaming. She found a dead animal, and it was bloody and mangled, like something attacked it. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story. Before I start this episode, as always, I want to thank everyone for the many emails and messages that I've gotten over the past few weeks. It means a lot to me when you guys reach out and share your personal situations and, and your paranormal experiences. I always try to reply, so if I haven't gotten back to you yet, I promise I will. Also, big thanks to everyone who has made donations to help me keep this podcast on the air. Unfortunately, podcasts aren't free. It costs money for me to produce these. So big thanks going out to Alana Pierce, Bridget Montego, and Preston Allscott for your support. And if you'd like to support the podcast, just go to my website, myparanormalstory.com, and click on one of the donate buttons. It's much appreciated. I also want to thank those of you who came out last month to support the Ocean State Paracon. My friends at Rise Up Paranormal organize this charity event every year, and once again, it was a big success, and I got to meet some of you, and I got to say hello to a lot of uh, new and old friends, uh, like Joe Chin from Ghost Hunters, uh, Spirit Medium Tiffany Rice, uh, Cody and Satori, the paranormal couple from Ghost Hunters, and Andrea Perrin, whose story was the basis of The Conjuring movie. If you've ever seen that movie, she was the oldest daughter who lived in the real-life Conjuring house in Rhode Island. And I'm actually going to be doing a podcast with Andrea next month. So I'll let you know when that's available to listen to. And I'm hoping to visit the Conjuring House myself real soon. Also, big thanks to everyone who has subscribed to my YouTube channel. I've remastered all my past episodes and I've been uploading them weekly as another way for you to listen to the podcast. So if you haven't checked it out yet, head over to YouTube and search for My Paranormal Story Podcast. Now, one more thing. Speaking of podcasts, if you host a podcast and you'd like to have me as a guest, just shoot me an email and we'll set something up. I know it's just about Halloween season and I'd love to talk to your listeners about the paranormal, about paranormal investigation, or about any of my stories. My email address is 
myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. All right. Thanks for sitting through that. Now here's my latest episode. Cryptids are mysterious, possibly mythical creatures that over the centuries many people have reported seeing and even interacting with. Cryptozoology is the study of these strange beings, animals that perhaps science has not found or recognized yet. You've probably heard of some of the more famous cryptids, like Bigfoot, the Jersey Devil, the Loch Ness Monster, and Chupacabra. Are they real creatures who have stayed mostly undiscovered by mankind? Or are they something else? Something paranormal, perhaps? When I was a young boy, my family would sometimes spend time at a beach house in Rhode Island. Now, when I say family, I mean my mother and I as it was just the two of us for most of my upbringing. We would stay for a week or two with some family friends at their beach house on East Matunic Beach. At the time, it was a very small beach community, maybe 30, 40 tiny beach houses all lined up and stacked together on a small road. At the end of that road, there were a few piers and docks with small buildings on them. And to the right of that, a small beach where families would gather on sunny summer days. This beach house was small, but somehow it seemed to hold a lot of people. We were never the only ones staying there. Our family friends who owned the house had two children around my age, and there always seemed to be one or two other friends staying there as well. Friends, relatives, etc. It was tight, but somehow we made it work. I believe there were two small bedrooms, plus a pull-out couch in the living room that all the adults would sleep in. Sometimes one or two adults would even sleep in a tent outside or in the small RV in the backyard. And the three of us kids, we would sleep on an old pull-out couch in the sunroom. If I'm being honest, my memories of my time staying at this beach house are fuzzy at best. It was quite a long time ago. I was just a little boy. But I do remember that the beach house was towards the end of the street. It had a small backyard with a huge parking lot behind it where non-residents would pay to park to use the beach. And down the hill through the parking lot, I remember there being a small general store right next to one of the big piers. And at least once a day, we would beg our parents for some money so we could run down there and buy a popsicle or some penny candy. The pier was huge and a little scary if you ask seven-year-old me. This was where many of the fishing boats would come in and unload or sell their catch for the day. There were lots of old ropes and pulleys everywhere, old lobster traps and netting, scattered around. As adventurous as I was as a kid, I remember being afraid to go too far out to the edge of that pier, thinking I'd slip and fall in. 
But one of my favorite parts of heading down to the pier with my friends was passing by this little old man and his dog. They lived in the tiniest of tiny beach houses, right there near the docks. It looked as if they'd lived there year round too, and for many years. I don't think I ever knew the old man's name, but I remember his little dog, Roscoe. He was a small dog, mixed breed, I think, white fur with brown patches and big floppy ears. No leash or anything, just always sitting right there next to his owner. And much like his owner, he was getting on in years. But they were both so friendly and always happy to see our smiling faces. And we would always stop to pet Roscoe and give him some attention, and he loved it as much as we did. But one day, as we were running down to the pier, we noticed the old man sitting outside alone. Where's Roscoe? we all asked. And the old man delicately explained to us that Roscoe was inside the house, recovering from some injuries he received. Without trying to scare us too much, the man told us that something had attacked Roscoe the night before, while he was outside doing his business. Probably a coyote, he said, as if to not worry us. Roscoe's going to be okay. But as I said, my memories are fuzzy, and I can't honestly remember if we ever saw little Roscoe again. Later that night, our parents put us to bed, all three of us in that pull-out couch in the sunroom. We would always take turns over who would get stuck sleeping in the middle. And I was happy on this night to have one of the edge spots. It was dark out, but the sunroom we were sleeping in still had some light in it from the street and the moon. The sounds of the beach at night is still so relaxing to me. Even to this day, the waves crashing in the distance, the bugs and the animals chirping and singing their nightly songs, only occasionally interrupted by our parents in the house, making noise, playing cards, and doing adult things. The sunroom was sort of a makeshift add-on room, built by someone who probably wasn't much of an architect. The roof was just a sloped piece of plastic or fiberglass, and the three walls were made mostly out of some framed screens that stretched down to another pane of fiberglass about a foot or two above the ground and nailed into the floor. It wasn't very secure, but back in those days, you didn't have to worry about security like you do today. Now, I've always been a light sleeper, even as a kid, and I would often wake up from noises outside the beach house. But on this particular night, I woke up to the sound of what sounded like sniffing, like an animal sniffing for food. I opened my eyes and could see the silhouette of what looked like a large dog sniffing around on the other side of the fiberglass part of the walls. Now I love animals. And normally, I will sprint to say hi to a dog. But the thought of what the old man told us about the coyote attacking Roscoe caused me to 
stay in the bed. So I just laid there, watching the shadow, sniffing and moving around the sunroom, as if it was looking for something or maybe hunting for food. I couldn't make out too many details other than he was tall, four skinny legs, a big upper body. Eventually he moved on and I went back to sleep. That day we went to the beach with our families and in between our usual beach activities, my friends and I would talk about the mystery dog outside the sunroom. I kept saying, what if it's a coyote? But no, they were convinced it must be a stray dog like our parents said. So later that day after dinner, one of my friends saved some bread and a piece of a hamburger. And we secretly placed it in the grass outside the sunroom. And that night, all three of us tried to stay up as late as we could to see the stray dog. But it never came. At least, not while we were awake. The next morning when we went to check on the food we left out, the meat was gone, but the bread was still there. We could tell something big had come by and eaten it too, because there were large paw marks in the sand and scratches from claws near the bread. But by the end of the day, everyone had seemed to have forgotten about this stray dog, but it never left my mind. And that next night at bedtime, it was my turn to sleep in the middle, which I always found hard to sleep. All that body heat from both sides of me and elbows and knees poking me all night. And I can remember sort of just laying there, listening to the sounds of the beach. I finally fell asleep, only to be woken up moments later by a strange growling sound. I lifted my head up to look and could see the shadow of that dog again patrolling outside of the sunroom. But this time it wasn't sniffing, it was sort of growling and panting, as if it was injured or angry. And it was pacing back and forth. I could see its long, thin tail sticking up in the air, swinging up and down in front of the screen. I could tell that it had pointy ears that from my angle were just visible above the fiberglass. I was tempted to get up and get a good look at it, but I was stuck there between the other two kids. All of a sudden, the growling stopped, and the shadow disappeared. Everything was silent. Even the other animals and insects had gone quiet. Then out of nowhere, the silence was broken by a loud, squealing sound as if something had just been attacked. I held onto the covers with my eyes closed and just waited for the sound to go away. The next morning, as we were all gathering our things to head to the beach, I heard one of the other kids scream from the front of the house. We all ran out there 
and I could see one of the adults pulling her away from what looked like a dead animal. It was all bloody and mangled like it had been attacked and eaten by something. I spent the rest of the day feeling sad. Sad about the dead animal in front of the house. I think it was the first time I'd ever seen a dead animal before, outside of maybe roadkill on the highway. And the sound of the animal struggling and the viciousness of whatever attacked it were stuck in my head. I was afraid to sleep in the sunroom that night but I didn't want to say anything to anyone. But as it turned out, I didn't have to. That night, our parents made us all sleep somewhere different. No one was allowed in the sunroom. My mom and I slept in the small RV in the backyard and the other two kids slept on the floor in their parents' bedroom. Mom was sleeping on a small bed on one side of the RV and I was on the floor on a sleeping bag. The excitement of the day had wiped me out and I fell asleep pretty quickly. But at some point during the night, I woke up and couldn't get back to sleep. I was just laying there thinking about that creature and wondered if it was going to come back tonight. At some point, I decided to quietly get up and peek out the window of the RV. I climbed up on a chair and pulled the curtain back. And as if it was meant to be, I quickly spotted the animal walking around in the grass. I could see it fully now. It looked sort of like a dog, but a big dog. It had a huge chest, but its back legs and its lower back were sort of hunched over but he had a huge head it was long reminded me of a horse I squinted to try and see it better and it started coming closer to the RV I don't think it saw me but maybe it sensed me as it approached I could see its face much clearer his eyes were huge and solid black like eight balls on a pool table. They had no life in them. Paws like a tiger or a lion. And his fur was dark gray and covered in muddy beach sand. He stayed low as he strutted around the yard. But at one point, he lifted his head up high as if to sniff the air. And then I could see his mouth the teeth were huge and sharp looking. The two sharpest bottom teeth stuck out over his gums as if they were too big for his jaw. Suddenly I noticed him look over at me and we locked eyes. I jumped from the chair and quickly slid back inside my sleeping bag. And I laid there perfectly still, trying not to make a noise. And I could hear the creature snorting and sniffing around the RV. He made several passes and eventually moved on. And I never heard him again.
that next morning, to my shock, my mother announced that we were heading home. It was only Friday, and we were supposed to stay until Sunday. But my mother said we had to go home early. She never gave me a reason. But it turned out everyone was packing up that morning and heading home. Our week at the beach house had been cut short. Over the next couple of days, I remember telling my friends back home about the monster I saw at the beach. Some of them were terrified, but others mocked me, saying I probably saw a dog or a coyote. But my mother, my mother never brought it up again. She hadn't said a word about that creature or why we left. Until about a week later, when I overheard her talking to someone on the phone, she was telling them about a story she saw on the news. Something about a strange, unidentified animal carcass that was found in East Matunic. And they were calling it The Beast at the Beach. My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com. If you enjoy my stories and would like to support the podcast, you can click on the donate button on my website at MyParanormalStory.com. I also have t-shirts and coffee mugs for sale. Don't forget to check out my book, The 10 Best Tools for Ghost Hunting. If you've ever wanted to learn more about the gadgets used in paranormal investigation, you can check it out on Audible, Kindle, or Amazon.com. My podcast is also now available on YouTube.com. Just go to YouTube and search for My Paranormal Story Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and to the YouTube channel so you'll know when I've added new episodes. And feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for My Paranormal Story. If you have a podcast and would like to have me as a guest, or if you'd like to ask me a question or tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. I always respond. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is My Paranormal Story. You've always had what it takes to make it happen, and we know the right tools can make it easier. At Strayer University, we're always thinking about new ways to set you up for success. That's why we give you a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program, so you can start off on the right foot and keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Life's better with an auto policy from American Family Insurance. No matter what dreams you're driving towards, 
That's because our expert agents will make you feel totally protected with the right auto coverage at the right price. You'll also save up to 23% when you bundle auto with home. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.